they've been doing it for centuries, you know? Like, yeah. you look at a lot of paintings and, and history books and stories and things like that. They were all into it. Everyone was doing everyone. You know, massive parties. It's what it was. The world looked joyous. Well, in yeah. certain parts, not, maybe not all of it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it was just the thing. It's just what everyone was doing. What we do here is go back, 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 back. And we're back. And we are back. Another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast. How are you, man? I'm well. I'm well, thank you. I'm well. Uh, life is, is trucking on in our little sanctuary of a, of a nation down here at the bottom of the world. Uh, and up here in Auckland, everything is moving. Um, but no, yeah, uh, work, work, is, work is work and... Uh, leisure is leisure at the moment, really. Uh, it all seems to be very routine uh, orien- orientated, but it's good. It's good. What about what about yourself? How, how are you doing? Yeah, good. It's it's as you said. We said before. It's a very windy day in Wellington here, but um, yeah, as you said, work is work. Leisure le- leisure is leisure. Um, yeah, been relatively busy this week. Been doing some some bits and pieces which has been good. I feel like this week's gone by quite fast. It feels like I was just yeah, just I sitting agree. here in my in my seat talking to you not not a couple of days ago, but I don't know. Oh. Busy weeks are good weeks. Get through to the weekend. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, just moving on through. I mean, we're all moving technically as our planet spins through <laughs> space. Yes, pretty we're, existential. We're, yeah, little very existential. For, for we're always moving. We're, we're always always moving. Um, <laughs> but yeah, generally generally pretty good, man. Uh, how's your Friday night? Do anything anything interesting last Friday night? Friday night? Did I do Did I do anything interesting last night? No, no. Got some uh, got some takeouts though from a because you know being up here in Auckland, don't really know the good spots. There's mm. lots of little bits and bobs. Um, so yeah, got uh, got some lovely little bow place down in in Newmarket. So got it delivered, um, and it's this thing called a bing, which I'd never heard of before. It's basically a bow, but instead of a bow bun, it's um, flatbread. Oh yeah. So it's just, and then all of the ingredients were just sprinkled in the middle. So same same flavor flavor profile you'll have with a bow, but it was in this flatbread of a hot dog almost kind of thing. Um, so very was it, lovely. Was it at a bow place and they had yeah. alternate bow or was it specifically yes. okay so not a franchise yeah, so, like based n- on no. doing bow differently yeah no 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 they have they have burgers and that's their bows so they call their bows their burgers right i see I yeah see. yeah but like lovely dumplings as well so they do loaded fries also so yeah it was lovely little a, a little new experience of uh flavors up here in auckland oh bro it's been so long since we've talked about food i just got a little i know a little bit hungry, <laughs> just thinking about dumplings and and bao mm. buns, and we've um recently, well, when I say recently, this week we had a, a delivery of of dumplings. Uh, a friend of a friend has just started up a, a dumpling business, um, in Wellington, which I can definitely shout out. I'll Google the name of it while I keep talking. But yeah, he uh, he recently like stopped doing the job that he was doing before and just decided stuff it like i'm gonna do a a dumpling like do a dumpling delivery thing and so he delivers them on saturdays and he's got like four or five different flavors and can confirm they were amazing dumplings they're called hello dumplings uh you can find them on 
Instagram. They deliver all across Greater Wellington, a bunch of different flavors. And um, yeah, we're just we're trying to support like small startup local dumping place and made them a couple of nights ago, steamed, then fried. And for someone that, I don't know, I feel like I didn't eat a lot of Asian cuisine mm. growing mm. up. I feel like, yeah. Uh, again, I think this comes back to the fact that m- my mum doesn't eat fish. And I think a lot of Asian cuisines, fish and seafood can be quite a staple. But I also said to mum and dad during lockdown and recently I said to them, for a, a family with like a relatively well-stocked pantry and fridge, really lacking in the the you know sesame oil and rice wine vinegar and all that stuff you need to make asian flavors at home so i've scolded my parents trying to get them uh back onto that but yeah i i went to two different asian supermarkets in the last two days and looking forward to to going back because you know what how so fun to just go to like Mai or yans i don't know if you remember any of the, the asian um supermarkets in wellington but man, i remember you just be in those shops for ages i'm sure there's plenty mm. of them in auckland and you're just staring at these these like crazy products and you're like i bet this is all delicious but anyway <laughs> i digress um i do have a question for you today man yes hit me. and my question is this based on sort of stuff that we talked about a few a few weeks ago and i realized i don't think i've ever actually asked this but what are a couple of your favorite movies Ooh. Ooh. I don't want to narrow it down um, to one. I don't want to say your top three, because I know it can be hard to come off off the top of your head, but you can pick one if you have a definite favorite movie, if you kind of have a top couple. When people ask me, I tend to give them like one for like three or four different genres. But I yeah, just wonder mm. if what are a couple of your all time faves that you can either rewatch heaps or you just you know, you just definitely love. Yeah, yeah. It it kind of goes in kind of goes in categories for me. So like I'm a really big uh, we have I think we have talked about this definitely, but like I'm a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe. So I love a lot of those movies. Um but you know, I guess coming more from like a growing up childhood acting, you know, I want to do this kind of thing. Um a big one was for me is actually uh Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, really? Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire is one of, yeah, really really big one for me. I think just, you know, Robin Williams and what he can do with characters. It was really a lot to do with his character and voice. I really wanted to get into that work and do comedy like that. Um, so I've always enjoyed his movies like Hook. Hook's another really big one for me as well. Um, Good Morning Vietnam. Like I really, I just love his movies. Um, but then I another big one I think which when we talked about Leonardo and a few mm. episodes ago uh, is Titanic. <laughs> Interesting. T- t- yeah, Titanic. I don't know why. And I know it's not everyone's cup of tea and it may be a bit of a cop-out saying that, but I actually just love that movie. See, I um, don't think it is a cop-out because I am not a huge Titanic fan. I've seen it a, a couple of times, like enough to feel like I have a strong opinion on it. And I've never really underst- understood the love for it. So, when you say it's a cop-out, I don't think it is, because I think there are lots of people that love that movie, but mm. then there's also lots of people who are in my... I don't know what the... I didn't... I was trying to not say in my... In my <laughs> boat. I didn't really want to make a Titanic sort of boat 
basically. Oh, anyway, okay. yeah, I, I have. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's out there in, <laughs> in my boat. Um, what is it about Titanic that resonates for you? Is it the love story aspect of it or just young yeah, Leo? Well, or? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, definitely young Leo. Um, and yeah, I think, I guess growing up, I was a bit of a sappy, lovey, lovey kid, I guess. I mean, I still am now as an, as an adult, I must say. Um, but yeah, I guess, I think it's just the, you know, the a culmination of the story that's get, gets built, you know, with these two characters and everything going around them being on this like massive vessel. And then all of a sudden this just like tragic, massive event goes on, which is just like, horrific it is it's a terrific it's a horrific story obviously being based on true events yeah um so i don't know for me i just kind of like i mean it's i can't remember how long the movie is i feels pretty long it's long yeah it is long but for me when i watch it i feel like it just has a really good progression for me as i'm watching it like i'm getting enough of it and then at the end it's not like a lot of movies now guns guns shooty shooty explosions explosions it's more of the horror and terror of drowning in the middle of freezing cold water which is a very big fear of mine is deep water so that movie kind of watching it not not that it's therapeutic i watch it and i'm kind of like oh, vey. yeah <laughs> i just it looked kind it of, it's three and a half hours so that's yeah, yeah, as, yeah. As massive as, yeah as long and as i don't long. don't get me wrong i'm not going to watch it every single week but if it pops up or if i have this inkling i'll be like yeah i might i might give that a watch and i'll watch the whole thing so do you think old older movies movies that you saw before the age of i'll just chuck a number out here like 15 stick with you more than movies now i mean obviously the marvel franchises are much more recent uh sort of thing in cinema the last sort of Mm, 10 years mm. do you do you think there's something specifically about watching kids watching movies as a kid that lets that sit longer with you i mean we talked about memory last week or is it just those two movies specifically rather than that kind of period of time of of movie watching because clearly you love marvel and some movies that come out you know more recently yeah yeah no i think it's just i think it is like you're saying it's that memory it's like what we listen or watch certain things and how we associate to that in different points of our life and i think those two movies for me earlier on before I probably even started acting was watching them and being like, yeah, I would like, I would really like to do that one day. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, and then now I think, you know, being acting and all this kind of stuff, I almost look for more of the, like, I mean, Marvel is massive. It's superheroes. It's not really realistic. You know, it kind of th- throws everything out of proportion and yeah. it's that escape, it's that escapism. Yeah. Is what I love with it is that, is that escape and it's out of worldly and it's giving me a full new, you know, fresh perspective on, on yeah, just new ideas and stuff. Uh, I think as I get older, I kind of look for that a little bit more rather than just the bit of the mundane, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's, yeah, I guess that's, that's one thing with movies when I watch now is that the mundane doesn't really excite me much anymore. Mm, that's an interesting, an interesting observation that maybe now, whether it's how old you are or the 21st century, there's something about mundane i mean have you seen the movie marriage story no very good I know it yeah no i haven't yeah. watched it very really good movie basically i mean the plot is essentially two characters going through a divorce and not i wouldn't describe that movie as mundane but it's a movie where not it's very centered in real life it's adam driver and scarlett johansson 
um, predominantly them going through a divorce. And I remember watching, watching the movie and thinking, huh, this is like a really rooted in life with obvious like Hollywood embellishment, like the fact that they live in LA and blah, blah, blah. But I remember watching that and thinking, Hmm, this is interesting to watch a movie that doesn't really have any elements that seem fantastical. And if you mm. watch that movie and then you go and you watch like, um, you know, one of the Avengers films, they're so, so, so different, almost mm. Mm. more mm. different than say marriage story and Mrs. Doubtfire, which deals with like family and the home and yep. those relationships. Yep. Um, what is your favorite Marvel film? I'm going to put you on the spot. No, nah, that's hard. Nah, that's a that's a big question. Honestly, I've been trying to figure it out for the past couple of weeks and ranking everything. All right, um, I'll give you I, a I'll give you a couple of weeks hiatus, but I expect at <laughs> least a top three by the time oh, August I is mean, out. I feel like I could give you a top three. I don't know if I could give you a top, but I could give you a top three. I'll push you for a top three. Okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll meet you. Uh, it's um, Iron Man. Yeah. Um, very first, very first one kicked off back in two thousand and eight. Um, started all of it. Still one of my favorites. I think they he they just hit the right tone. Robert Downey Jr. hit the right tone and just set it all up uh, for the rest of it. So Iron Man. Um, I also love Thor Ragnarok. I yep. think Thor Ragnarok for me is just pushing Marvel in a way that I think it should go more. Um, and that's exactly why I also love Guardians of the Galaxy as well, the mm. first one. Um, because, yeah, it was the first time, full new set of characters, um, didn't really know them from the comics or anything like that, and what Chris Pratt and all of them uh, were able to do just, uh, yeah, really, really took it away, and I absolutely love the comedic side of it all and the, the spaciness of it all as well. It's just, it's it's cool to see, and it, it I think it brings out the little kid in me again being like, man, I wish I had stuff like this when I was able to watch when yeah. I was younger. Yeah, um, I mean, if you compare I still, Iron I still love Guardians, them. they're almost they're quite different movies one is Very really different. centered in like earth and our mm. politics and questions of war and weapons and prisoners and that sort of thing and the guardians is i mean it's about as out there both literally and like metaphorically as possible that's deep <laughs> yeah. space stuff yeah so true so true well a couple of my favorites i mean i, I don't really i don't feel the need to to talk about them at length, but it's interesting that you bring up Robin Williams because one of my favorite movies is Goodwill Hunting. Um, mm-hmm. I just love, I don't know why that, that film resonates so much for me, but Matt Damon and, and Robin Williams and, and Ben Affleck just, I think it's the, the story of someone going from being a nobody to a somebody and all the, the issues ingrained with that. Um, Always love that movie, but it's probably not a movie that I'll rewatch heaps. Whereas something like Hot Fuzz, I think, oh, yeah. <laughs> is one of the most rewatchable films ever made. For me, it's probably one of my most watched, just in terms of number of times I've seen it. Um, because of the visual comedy in that film, you can watch it so many times. And, and on the 9th, the 10th, the 11th rewatch, genuinely pick up on something new. Mm. Um, Dark Knight's also in there. I always wonder oh, with Dark choice. Knight why Dark Knight is, is so revered as a film. Obviously, Heath Ledger's performance is brilliant. Um, the direction of the film is is really, really good. Like, when you rewatch the film, there's not a lot of wasted time, which I think is a 
important in a film if you're going to really really love it is when you rewatch it you don't think oh you could cut 10 minutes off there oh that scene doesn't happen and also i think it's a movie where you are still questioning the morality of like lots of different sides and oh did Mm. this happen oh did that happen um yeah and then i i think i've said on a previous podcast i i do love ratatouille i love i love (laughs) that film it's just for me the the best animated film ever made but all of this all of these questions kind of came from me thinking about about film and and how film relates to the topic that we were going to talk about today because last night for the very first time i watched the notebook oh have you seen the notebook i bet you have have, based on your lovey-dovey comments before (laughs) i have seen the notebook i gotta tell you a story first time i watched the notebook uh was i was in school and it was a a uh, friend, I can't quite remember who. Anyway, we were watching the movie and they had seen it before and I hadn't. And it got near, near the end and the, you know, the culmination of everything coming together. And I, I literally never cried like that in a movie before. It was just, oh, my body ached. And yeah, I cried, cried like a baby, cried like a baby in that movie. Beautiful. Yeah, it was great. It was a great movie. And as I've said countless times on the podcast before, I'm I'm a person that has m- missed a lot of movies deemed classics from 95 to like 2010 or whatever. And it's been one of those movies that was so loaded with uh, expectation and like the greatest love story ever told and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, <laughs> I love Rachel McAdams. So I, yeah, having, yeah. having, you know, waited this long to watch i don't know i think it was one of those films where there was such a pressure to like it or enjoy it or have yeah um, true yeah. a lot of times i really resist watching those films because i'm kind of scared of having being underwhelmed but i did really really enjoy it um and part of what i thought was what was interesting about the notebook was um it has such a a place within cinema and pop culture in terms of romance and love story and part of what well what we wanted to talk about today as a topic was sex and sexuality and sort of all the different things that that go into those two words and all the surrounding surrounding areas and i was really surprised in the notebook last night and spoilers if you haven't seen the notebook i mean (laughs) i mean if you haven't seen it by now you're probably like me we're gonna spoil it but I was really, really surprised when Rachel McAdams' character uh, had sex with Ryan Gosling's character, Noah, while after having been engaged to her fiancé. That mm. that really, really surprised me that, that 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 happened. And I sort of stepped out of other film and thought, hmm, this is a movie set in the 40s, released in 2004, and I'm watching it in 2020. And in each of those periods the the questions of of sex and cheating and having multiple partners all mean different things and i thought yeah. wow that's really interesting we'd already decided that we wanted to talk about sex and sexuality but watching that last night i remember being quite shocked that that had actually happened and i guess to start out i mean talking about that i i wanted to get your thoughts on on how sex and sexuality is kind of portrayed and and pop culture and what you remember of of that you know growing up and you know 
watching movies with sex in them and or being in the same room as like your parents and you're watching a movie and you think it there's no awkward <laughs> scenes and then of course it comes on and I'm sure most people have had that experience like you're 12 or 13 you're like oh, I I don't want to be here but <laughs> but how how important do you think pop culture and how sex and sexuality is is portrayed both now and when we were growing up in terms of how much that uh influences young people's ideas of section sex and sexuality sort of maybe versus the traditional like sex ed at school or talking to your parents mm. or how what was your experience with that like growing up yeah well, i guess for me i you know i i i did have to rely a lot on pop culture and what i saw and things like that as i know there's a lot of kids out there that are doing exactly the same thing um for different reasons you know i grew up um, as I've mentioned before, just with mum and my grandparents. So I'd never really had that, you know, typical societal father figure sitting me mm-hmm. down and like really running me through everything and being that kind of, uh, you know, big male mentor when it comes to that kind of thing. I mean, my mum did a really great job. Um, at least, you, you know, she did. She did a really great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got to learn everything and the right ways of doing it. Because, you know, I think that's the one thing I valued growing up with my mum and grandma pretty much being around me 24-7 was there um, growing up and just being able to respect women in a in a good, reasonable, human being-like way and, and yeah. what we sh- how we should treat each other. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think pop cultures are really good because if people are uh, mistreating it or, you know, not identifying it in the right way, kids can quite easily um, just... Uh, I don't know, be, f- f- have to learn themselves um, what is appropriate and what is not and make mistakes and things like that. So I think what we consume is very important. And I, you know, I think there's in the past few years, definitely I've noticed a lot. Um, I mean, I was watching, I can't remember what the movie was, but I was watching a movie uh, from the early 2000s and I was watching and I was like, oh, this is, this is racist. This is misogynistic. I mean, it was meant to be a comedy um but i was kind of watching it and cringing it a little bit um so i think you know as we progress going forward how can we do things in a more um i don't know just kind human kindness more manner and in the sense of i don't know portraying things in a in a in a better manner yeah and i think um i mean i don't know what your ex- experience was with uh, you know like sex ed at school and obviously i mean i don't know now with like 10 what to 15 still like. year olds like what that's what is sex ed in schools like now is there still the same expectation of like the impending talk like from your parents mm, like, mm, like mm, i remember exactly. from us growing up but over the last um couple of months i don't know have you seen this ad called keep 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 it real online yeah, is that the one the the naked people turn up at the door? Yeah, yeah, it's I yeah, mean, it's, great, yeah, great ad. It's yeah. done the rounds at, like internationally. Like I had someone message me from Bristol and say, "Wow, I saw this today. Like this is so great." For anyone that hasn't seen it, it's it's kind of an ad where two uh, porn stars who aren't actually porn stars they're they're actors turn up to the door um of a family home, and the mum answers the door and she's like, "Who are you?" And the porn stars are like, "We're here to talk to your son." must be sort of, I don't know, eight to 10 years old. I'm bad with telling how old kids are, but being like, your son has been watching porn online and we think it's important to educate him about uh, 
relationships and what is okay with you know and, and sex and romance and i think that's becoming more and more of a thing than it was sort of 10 years ago with the the ease of of kids being on the internet kids all having phones and and how hard it is to prevent kids from accessing you know adult content online there is a shift in in the way that kids are engaging with sexual content at a younger age and that ad was kind of addressing the fact that what pop culture and and pornography makes sex and sexuality seem like is really quite different from yeah quite what, a what real life is like and that's so yeah. that's so problematic because if young people are exposed to this super early on and the side of traditional sex ed conversation methods can't like catch up in time all of a sudden society is kind of doing exactly that playing playing catch up so yeah Mm. i mean it would be really interesting to know if if sex ed has changed from what it was like for us when we were in school i think i don't know about you but i think we had sex ed at school in maybe year 10 yeah i just i mean the the thing i remember the most from sex ed was watching a baby being born really yeah we watched the video i don't get you didn't get that never seen that Oh, yeah, no, we got that. I remember. We were, yeah, we were, yeah, we watched it. Um, and yeah, I think they gave, I mean, you know, I remember sex ed just being like the basics, but basics to the point where you have like horny teenagers stuck in a room kind of just going, oh, uh, uh, ooh, oh yeah. like, you know, like trying to be cool and like dismissing it all kind of thing. Yeah. I would hope that kids now these days would kind of be like, yep, I'm here and this stuff is important. Mm. <laughs> I guess it's a fun, I, I wonder who it is. I mean, it's probably a government thing that decides what the ages where sex ed is introduced. And I mean, your reaction and your little bit of acting there, which is very good, I might add. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. That has me thinking like maybe sex ed should be pushed earlier. Like before, oh, I agree. before the age group of, of before kids have that thing that happens in their brain where they're like, what is too cool? What is uncool? Um, yeah, obviously, I, I you know kids i guess the brain's always developing and maybe if you go younger kids can't process stuff but i think maybe maybe we miss a trick by trying to have it be like too late almost yeah but i think there's a way that you can adjust having conversations about certain topics at a younger age to kind of like filter it a little bit more you know um almost you know almost like the birds and the bees kind of thing like you know i think i think it's good to be direct with kids like i think kids need to know directness and and you know just kind of uh be straight up understand how everything works but i think there's a way that i think us as um family members and parents as well can help even more instead of having to leave it up to the education system that doesn't necessarily it is very broad strokes at least in my experience of when we went through it yeah so i think i think there is a lot on families to um you know my, i think we had this talk earlier uh during covid you know a lot of people were like homeschooling and like you know making sure that they're you know still doing all of these kinds of subjects it's like no it's like just go and play with your kids just teach them how to do things at home cook clean all of these kinds of things like they're all practical parts of life that your kids should still learn so why can't we have that same respect when it comes to sex and sexuality and that kind of stuff as well yeah and i think it's an i'd be really interested to know i feel like sex ed when we were at that stage was so focused on sex as in 
sexual intercourse, how, as you say, like the, the how babies are made. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. for the most part, really focused around heterosexual, male-female um, yeah. relations. And now with obviously, you know, the focus and discussion around sexuality and and the sexual spectrum has grown so much over the last, you know, 10 years, five years, two years. I wonder now, and I would, I would hope, but I, I don't know, that I wonder if sex ed has sort of also morphed into sexuality education. Mm. Like, as you know, are schools even allowed to do that? I'm sure there's a massive range based on private and public schooling and all that kind of thing, but talking about sexuality as much as um, sex and like the traditional physicality, how all the body parts, you know, how to put on a condom, all that, that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> yep. And we did want to, we did want to talk about that because we, you know, like we've, we've discussed, we want this podcast to be, you know, not hard hitting, but we want to be comfortable having conversations that maybe people don't have with each other enough and i mean I, I don't know about you i'm not someone who talks to people about s- sex very much I, th- no. I would like to think i actually talk about sexuality a lot more but yeah i mean i'll just ask you the question now how do you identify on the on the sexual spectrum yeah well i identify as a male heterosexual mm-hmm. um pretty 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 straight down the middle for uh, for most um but i think i mean i've always been very comfortable uh with my sexuality mm-hmm. so i mean i've absolutely got no problem with getting up close to another guy uh or kissing another guy but that doesn't necessarily mean that my behavior behind that is going to be sexual or anything more yeah. uh, from that point but i'm quite comfortable getting close i mean i've done plenty of shows where i've had to kiss another guy mm-hmm. um and i've also auditioned for some roles um to also do um a gay character as well but i'm yeah i'm very comfortable in my heterosexualness um and being around I- anyone i don't uh objectify anyone <laughs> at all so yeah yeah i'm and, quite comfortable and at what at what have you always no when i say always no and i mean that's kind of broad strokes but have you always been pretty clear on your heterosexuality like at seven years old or 12 years old or have there been periods of your life where maybe you've questioned it or do you remember knowing that you at a certain point you knew you were attracted to to females and and not to males or just kind of you knew all the way through through life i I don't know i'm not searching for an answer i'm just just no 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 that's all right no 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 search search away i'm I'm searching my own brain at the moment and my own heart (laughs) um no i think i i mean i've definitely experimented for sure Mm -hmm. you know i'm not gonna not gonna keep that in the closet um but i think it was never really something that i wanted to explore more or felt the need to explore more. Mm. Um, yeah, I've always been a, I've always been attracted to women, um, and I think I will always always be that same way, at least in a sexual orientation. Um, but yeah. I think you know, and on a whole new spiritual um, level, I can still have a really close relationship uh, with the male as well. But just yeah, maybe not the yeah. same same behaviour behind it. Yeah, and I think I I think. I feel similarly to you. I mean, I, I identify as, as straight, as heterosexual, but I'm, I feel similarly to you about, um, 
the comfortableness with being around male friends and physical affection and and like intimacy both mm. i mean the whole stage and acting that's a, a whole yeah, different yeah. kettle of fish but i feel quite proud about i have a particular well not a particular group of friends actually i've, I've quite a lot of male friends who are very comfortable with me as i am with them in terms of physical affection i'm a big a big hugger i know lots of people aren't huggers yep, yep. i have been known to walk down the street holding male friends hands not not as a as a joke about haha two guys are holding hands like not in that at all just being so comfortable and actually just wanting to have some physical um touch with that mm. person and being like mm. yeah we don't care we're, we're happy to hold hands walk down down the street um i have had I think more male New Year's kisses than female <laughs> New Year's kisses. Brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know what the number is off like the top of my head. I'm not a, I'm not keeping tally by all means, but there was definitely like a three year stretch there that it was just like male friend, male friend, male friend. I mean, I hate New Year's. That's a whole different yeah, yeah. I hate the <laughs> social pressure around like figure out through the period of the night up to 12 o'clock, who you're going to kiss and like stay close to that person. I really resent that. And I think probably that is maybe what has led me to have so many new year's kisses with guy friends because i kind of resent the whole find someone that you crushing on or like mm. obviously if you're in a relationship with someone that's great but for single people i think particularly in the sort of 16 17 18 age group that's really t- toxic um yeah so i i've had lots of new year's guys kisses <laughs> um have had more than a few like night out with with mates pashes like i'm i've you know yeah, I, I, and I, like I said before, I'm really proud to have male friends who are equally yeah. comfortable with their sexuality. And I wouldn't pretend to know the sexual orientation of all my friends. I'm, I'm sure there are still people at 24, 25 still figuring things out. And I'm sure there, I mean, statistically, there are probably a couple of people that I think have a certain sexual orientation and maybe don't have that sexual orientation, but yeah i feel privileged to have that relationship with with people because i know there's lots of people that that maybe don't have that haven't had that same experience even if they are straight males to be confident in their sexuality and confident in the sexuality of their friends and being able to i mean i remember you you messaged me this week and you were talking about the gray areas and the 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 spectrum of sexuality yeah. and it doesn't have to yeah. be like you're only attracted to these this person or you're only attracted to the these people it's not you're straight you're gay you're bi you're trans you know there is areas mm. between them and i mean you were showing me the little image before that was talking about romance versus i mean do you want to sort of try yeah 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 describe it i, I will yeah I, I mean i thought it was just a really good representation and it, it makes me you know visualize it in my head you know the human is a, is a very complex uh, thing oh, and yeah. we're complex people, you know? Um, but you know, the, the big thing is uh, the, the, the way that we like to kind of look at sexuality is obviously we're born with sex, you know, male, female into sex, which is the way you want to, you know, biologically how you were brought into this world. Um, and then we then go into gender identity and how we identify in mm. this world uh, as our gender, male, female, non-binary, agender, um, you know, you would 
be trans if obviously you identify different from your sex. Um, and then you've got your sexual orientation, the way that you like to, yeah, how you, you know, lesbian, gay, straight. Um, so us being heterosexual, that would be a sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can also have a romantic orientation as well. And I mean, this isn't something that I kind of focus on a lot but you know you can have some people that are attracted to inanimate objects Mm. and things like that in the world so it's romantically how do you kind of orientate yourself different from sexually um and then your sexual behavior how do you how do you kind of act on that uh is it um yeah yeah, heterosexual homosexual bisexual or are you celibate i think you know uh, for sexual behavior i think a really cool little way I thought I saw of thought thinking about that is that you have a heterosexual priest but his sexual behavior is obviously celibate because he can't have sex with anyone but he's right. still a heterosexual male right that makes, that makes sense but that's his sexual behavior um so yeah I think you know all of these things you know I'm a really big thing on um you know humans and uh, transparency and connectivity and things like that. And I think it, everything is on its own spectrum, as you brought up before. So, you know, but I think in society and the way that we've been brought up, um, we like to have boxes, you know, and we like to put everything in its boxes and we know what boxes fit with what. And it's just, it's very easy for us to um, see what's in front of us. Because, um, you know, that's a, that's a big animal instinct for us as well. We have to see something and how are we, how are we going to get around what is in front of us kind mm. of thing. Um, whereas, yeah, I think everything is on a spectrum and, you know, there isn't one right way of looking at everything, really, yeah. is what I'm trying to get at with this, how complex we just are and how much is really going on behind someone. Yeah, and I think another, like, something that doesn't fit really into any of those boxes that you just, just just described is just as an example, like your ability to appreciate the physical form of different people in the world. Like I don't identify as, as gay or bi at all, but I feel like I have, I've become more and more and more comfortable with recognizing men that I think are very attractive. Yeah. Both yeah, yeah, in yeah. a like, um, Jake Gyllenhaal is an attractive male, like in a, in a celebrity, we see these people all the time to be even just, you know, walking around town. if you see something being comfortable with having the thought process of that, wow, that's a really attractive male. Doesn't mean I have to question my sexuality or doesn't mean I want to have sex with that person, but being comfortable with that thought process. And I feel like mm. maybe... I would hope we're as society as a whole becomes more comfortable with having these conversations and sexual fluidity and being okay with being on the spectrum that those sort of thoughts, you know, if you rewound this back to 1936 or whatever, if you ever had the thought of like, Oh, I'm attracted to this person. That was probably seen as massive alarm bells of like, if say, in our, in our case, if you're a male thinking another male is attractive, oh, you must be homosexual. Um, did you, when you were at school, when you were interested in in you know, drama, I mean, I think there's a lot of sexual toxicity in schools regarding like rugby boys are rugby boys and yeah, drama. Yeah. People were, you know, all gay, obviously. Did you have any people that when you were getting into drama called you gay because you were interested in that or like, questioned your sexuality um while you're at school just based on the things you were interested in 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think it was, <laughs> I think it was hard for everyone. Um, just because I was obviously playing rugby yeah. and I was playing drama. So it was, you know, I definitely got teased for it. Don't get me wrong. Definitely got teased for the fact uh, that, yeah, I was doing drama and I was playing rugby. And it is. It's, it is seen as a very uh, feminine thing to do. So, yeah, you know, I, I did get called gay. But I think it was more in the sense of they weren't really being, you know, like I've been bullied before in my life mm-hmm. at a younger age. And, like, you really know you were getting bullied, you know, like yeah. you were at a really low point. Whereas when I felt like when I was at school, just because I had had both of my hands in the cookie jar, I really didn't let it get to me as much. Yeah. Um, because I I was doing exactly that. I was playing rugby really well, and I was doing drama, so I didn't really let it affect me. Um, but I know that there's definitely people out there um, where it does, you know, and it, and it's it's just an awful thing to experience. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that I always say to myself. Though, if like I never want to do school again, yeah, because I think there was a lot of a uh, lot of toxic toxicity in my life yeah. and amongst school, whether I was involved with it or whether I was on the receiving end of it. I think there's just it was just not not a great point. I mean, I learned a lot. Don't get me wrong, but it just it just wasn't a. I wouldn't want to relive that part of my life. Yeah, um, and in any way again, because um, yeah. Uh, because that's one thing I was going to say to you. I mean, you know, the way that you act around your friends, mm. you you would say you would consider yourselves great guys, right? Like they're great guys, like they're good yeah, human of course, beings. Of course. There's not a bad bone in any of their bodies, no, right? No. And and I mean that just goes to show you, you know, how what toxic masculinity can do to people. Yeah. Because you guys are all so comfortable and I've met some of your friends and they're absolutely the best in the world. You're one of them. You're amazing. And you're just great guys and you know how to respect both male female and everyone else in between whereas there's so much toxic masculinity which i've seen in my life and they're just they're not nice people and that's because they're not um what would you you know they're not comfortable in themselves you know so they try and belittle it on someone else yeah or just even not comfortable being around other people around other people yeah, because they're not in the same box. They're not. Yeah. They, they they look at someone else and they're like, I can't understand you, so I'm just gonna destroy you. Yeah, basically. And and so much of that doesn't it doesn't make sense because the whole the the, the ability to be affectionate with you know as a identifying as heterosexual and being comfortable having you know physical affection with male friends that comes from a comfortableness in our mm. sexuality and your sexuality and my sexuality. Yeah. And yet the people who aren't comfortable with that, who try to cling on to, you know, toxic masculinity and, and sort of frankly outdated opinions that comes from trying to protect often, you know, heterosexual orientation. And yet they don't, those people don't understand that all of the, the, the gray area stuff comes from that being comfortable. Um, yeah. I mean, back to what we were talking about before, I don't understand where the whole you do drama, you're a guy, you must be gay thing comes from. Yeah. It makes no. absolutely no sense. Su- such a small percentage of drama is like cross-dressing and, and putting on makeup. And sure, I've done both those things, but it's not <laughs> so, like so every I. production you do is like dressing up as a girl and like singing a song or you know uh, i can't 
over the years, I've really tried to figure out where that comes from. And, mm. and it just, it really makes no sense. Everyone loves, as we've said on multiple times and multiple different avenues on this podcast, everyone loves movies. Everyone loves actors. Everyone, I, everyone reveres in them, whether they, you know, are, are performers or performing people or arts people or not. Everyone loves that. Like, and yet that doesn't translate to a high school. Oh, you're a, you're young and you're interested in being an actor and wow, all of a sudden that's like, whoa, 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 you must be gay, which I've, I've just never really understood. And I mean, I definitely had periods of, of school where people referred to me as like the drama guy or like, oh, you must be gay because you, you know, you're interested in that sort of thing. And, and I'm, I'm glad to say that I sort of managed to process that fairly mm. easily, like never yeah. really yeah. had to seriously question my sexuality because of it not that i think questioning your sexuality is necessarily always a bad thing no um, not at all but that's so it's so toxic and i would hate to think the number of talented young performers who maybe never realize their potentials or, or interests mm. in the performing arts simply because of how sexuality is intertwined with with that and i mean that was definitely one thing that i loved about um studying theater at university and and further studying at Bristol because I think once we got to those those stages where the development of the people's you know brains and emotions and you know ability to engage with new people almost everyone in those spheres was incredibly comfortable with their sexuality or comfortable experimenting um that by that state like if you can kind of get yourself to that to use a phrase we're using a lot at the moment. If you can get to that bubble, you're kind of safe. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just such a shame that, I um, mean, I don't know, again, like we've said what it's like in schools now, nowadays, but I would, to be honest, presume that it's still fairly similar for yeah. young males at, at least. Um, another thing we said we wanted to talk about was uh, monogamy and non-monogamy and in terms of bringing it back around to, what, what was it you said on the diagrams that sexual re- relations, the sexual, sexual orientation, sexual behavior, behavior, behavior. So yeah, behavior, not so much the, how you identify, but more yeah. how you express yourself sexually. And I suppose what we've been talking about with like physical affection outside of the bounds of how you identify sexually is, is mm. part of that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't underestimate how for some people it would be seen as a really big deal to identify as a straight male and be able to kiss another straight male friend or different identifying male friend. Um, but I think in 2020, in the 21st century, as we go on, questions of of monogamy and traditional relationships and, and everything that has kind of been traditional within human existence like the idea of having one partner getting married and i saw some crazy statistic the other day talking about marriages in america and how many of them end in divorce i think yeah it's crazy it's like at least or around 50 percent like yeah so, um yeah yeah clearly there i think we're moving to a time now when we're particularly our generation is starting to think about how we feel in terms of in a relationship and it's complicated like I remember when Facebook brought that out five <laughs> it's to seven years ago, it was like, "Oh, what could that possibly mean?" Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. now I know, you know, on Bumble and Tinder and 
you know, dating apps, people will go on and say that they're part of, you know, they're in a relationship, but they're looking for something casual and their partner is, is the same. And the term unicorn, which relates to like a third party joining a, you know, a traditional relationship. I think it's really interesting that we, that at least part of society is, is asking questions about that because that's as much as of a, a development as the whole sexual orientation, the questions of spectrum, questions of once you are comfortable with your sexuality, how do you actually um, engage outside of that? And, you know, I know people, I know you know people that uh, are exploring their, their sexual behavior outside of what would be deemed traditional, outside mm. of the the one partner um one partner thing i don't really know how to describe um, <laughs> yeah yeah just yeah I, I mean do you have any any thoughts on that and and yeah just as a sort of a, a tangent to the whole sex and sexuality yeah, thing yeah very much well i mean i think i think we could you know spend a full full episode on monogamy and, and polyamory and and where it comes from and what it is and stuff but i mean i, I guess the first thing i wanted to say was is that polyamory They've been doing it for centuries, you know, like yeah. you look at a lot of paintings and, and history books and stories and things like that. They were all into it. Everyone was doing everyone, you know, massive parties. It's what it was. The world looked joyous. Well, in yeah. certain parts, not maybe not all of it. Um, but I mean, it was just the thing. It's just what everyone was doing. And then I don't know whether it was this. This is just me speculating. But then massive, obviously, Christianity and the revolt and the way it went across the whole entire world. Mm. And then monogamy. And like you said, it's tradition. It's built in tradition. It's built on these gender roles of a, of a male meeting a female and then getting married and then having children. And they're only allowed to have that because under the eyes of God, you are the only two they're allowed to be together. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just, you know, in Western society and all of that, we just roll with that. And that's just the norm. That, that is monogamy is the norm but i think going back to what i was saying before sorry i'm really passionate about this <laughs> i think i think you know what i was saying before with the human connectivity and i think there is just so much more that we are capable of doing as a society and there's way more of understanding ourselves and understanding people around us and i mean you can't lie when everyone everyone enjoys sex like everyone likes sex it's it's everyone knows that um and i think when it comes to polyamory you can discover a lot more about the people you're around and the kind of person that you are if you just like talk about it but you've got to talk about it you know and i think that's the thing um i've had some conversations with people that have done it before and it's it's not an easy thing you know you've got to yeah. you've got to talk about it the whole way through the you know the the strong um, partnership uh, and what what do they want you know what are the boundaries it's a it is something to tiptoe and I've had conversations with people before and they've said no no wouldn't do it I'd rather cheat and yeah. and I, I remember this one person said that to me and I was like what like are you like they would rather be just just was it trust unfaithful yeah. to their partner rather than just have a general conversation about hey you know do you think we could do this thing because so, I, think, I think there's a fear of admitting to people that you are in a relationship with or are seeing or casually dating there is a fear about admitting that you could be attracted to someone else to someone else yeah and that you yeah. might want to act upon that and don't get me wrong like i, I don't want to 
come across as, as hypocritical. Like I feel like despite not having a, a religious upbringing, I mean, I went to a Presbyterian school, but religion in its traditional sense has never been a big part of my life. I still have or had a relatively traditional sense of uh, like one, one partner, one girlfriend at a time, mm, mm. you know, never consider cheating. And I think that probably came from a relatively slow sexual development in terms of having girlfriends or not having girlfriends young in terms of lack of sexual experience and like younger years. Um, whereas now I, I, I feel like over the last couple of years and having had a lot more conversation about this with, with a range of people, I'm becoming much less traditional in that mindset. Yeah. Um, yeah. even just in, in how I think about it, not necessarily acting upon it, but mm. I think we have to, we have to we have to work really hard against what society yeah. has told us is traditional and acceptable and and it's just a a psychological shift away from seeing it as as a unfaithful thing and as mm. a being comfortable with with friends and and or partners admitting that you can be sexually attracted to more than one person at one time i mean it, it doesn't mean that everyone has to go around and be polyamorous but no. it, it can mean that just as I'm happy saying to you that I think that James Marsden and the notebook is a very attractive man. I'm comfortable <laughs> admitting to you that I find, you know, this person attractive or that person attractive. It doesn't mean I have yeah. to act on it. it. doesn't mean I will act on it, but having those conversations and being comfortable admitting that we kind of, as a species is such a bad word, but we as, as a humanity, are capable and kind of hotwired to think that more than one person is attractive. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's why you—not why. Sorry, just speculating once again. Why these marriages don't work out? You know, um, I, you know, people cheat all the time. You hear stories of it all the time. So it's like if that's a common factor that's happening in your relationships, is there something that you can do about it with? Uh, you know, with another party or maybe just don't even be in a relationship. Yeah. You know, don't have to be in a relationship to have good connections with people. Yeah. And Depends that what I you're mean, looking for. brings it around to like what we've said in the, the ethics of having kids. Like yeah. are less and less of our generation going to have kids simply because they don't want to get married. They don't want to commit mm. to women. Are we going to see a generation of people that have are single their whole life and completely happy with it. I mean, civil partnerships, obviously, is obviously big. Not that it hasn't been big in the past, yeah. but like, <laughs> are, are we, are we, our generation more interested in having more sexual partners, um, exploring more, seeing more of what the world of sex and sexuality has to offer, both in mm. the experimenting, perhaps in some people's case across different borders of sexual orientation, as well as even if you're comfortable with your sexual orientation, your sexual behaviors. Um, Cause like you said, cheating and divorce comes from, I'd say most of the time feelings of being unsatisfied and being unhappy yeah. and having put yourself yeah. in a box and then eventually having to, having to burst out of it. So like you said, doesn't it make a lot more sense to, to widen, widen the box and not be so, limiting on yourself but yeah it'll be really interesting as we get older and as our you know people that we know continue to you know get into relationships and then leave relationships and more and more people seem to be settling down but 
will that change and will people actually just continue to you know get married and have kids or will we have more and more friends that we know being like yeah actually i'm i'm single or i'm seeing multiple people or i'm happy with this my primary partner and i have secondary partner and my romance comes from one person but i have you know sex with other people it'll be interesting i hope people continue to have conversations um about that because i think i think as a whole it's just fascinating i so do i i think it's just it's just human 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 behavior is is so interesting um and i think we're capable of so much more as a society uh than what we're doing right now but i mean hey we're 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 still young we're still getting older um and yeah i think there's still a lot more that we can learn about ourselves but also about other people as well and what we can pass on yeah and that's why that's why we have these conversations isn't it james absolutely and I think, you know, there are some people that aren't comfortable having discussions about sex, sex and sexuality, and that's fine. Like, you don't... That's fine. You don't have to be... I feel like I'm I'm someone that I'm really... I love talking about sexuality and sexual orientation and all that sort of stuff, but I, I'm not really someone that is super comfortable talking about my sexual experiences mm. present with other people. I'm more yeah. comfortable talking about past sexual experiences than necessarily necessarily sharing like current sexual activity that's not something i'm i'm super comfortable with whereas i know some people are far more uh, comfortable having those conversations um i should say that obviously those conversations sometimes are appropriate and sometimes aren't appropriate depending on who you're with and who you're sharing (laughs) with and that kind of thing but yeah i think we really wanted to talk about this today because we feel super comfortable having those conversations with each other and and having the conversations in a public forum in the way that people can can listen to and engage with but we should also say there are things that we didn't want to talk about today there were some specific things that we didn't want to get into that's fine you know it's, it's completely up to us to decide what we want to talk about but we encourage each other as we encourage people that are listening, particularly people that are our age, you know, and, and parents generation out there. If you have, you know, younger kids or discussing with other people, like picking and choosing and, and maybe opening up to having more conversations about sex and sexuality. Yep. That's well said. And I think that's a beautiful place to end today's episode. Don't you think? I, I do think. Thank you so much for today, man. I really, really enjoyed talking about that about that with you. And I wish we could crack open a beer and have a little dialogue off the record. But, off the record. But <laughs> we will we will have a virtual beer and and virtual off the record. But thank you for listening as always. Thank you to everyone who continues to to, to listen to the podcast and, and send in messages. As always, thank you so much for your, your feedback and your love and your support. Please keep listening and Matt, we'll see everyone next time. See you next time. Peace.